Welcome to Faith Builders. I'm so excited to have you join us today. We are in a six-part series on faith adjustments, and we've been learning about different adjustments that we can make so that we can be precise in our faith, we can be consistent in our faith, indicators of what we need to look for to make sure that we're actually operating faith and not over into mental ascent or operating in hope. We've covered a lot of ground, so I want to encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel, go to our uh, website at buildfaith.net and catch up on where we've uh, already been so that you can feed on these same truths and get them instilled in your heart. We have a great uh, study guide that goes with this as well as um, some information uh, through uh, Revelation in my husband's book, refusing the care, that helps us so much learn how to make those faith adjustments so that we're not allowing the worry and the cares of this world to choke out and suffocate the word. Today, we're going to take our next step in this lesson, and we're going to talk about the stability of our faith, where we are in our uh, stability so that we are able to gain that consistency in our faith. You know, when you begin to step out in faith, you realize it needs to have a constant application. You don't want to be in faith and then three days over here talking unbelief and, and wallowing around in your emotions of what it feels like. And then you get back up under the anointing in the church service and you're like, oh yeah, I need to be in faith about this. Well, you've wasted the effort and the energy of, of, of backtracking, if you will. So we need to learn how to stay in that flow of faith and gain control over our thoughts, gain control over our, our emotions and keep them in subjection to the truth that's resident in our spirit. And so James chapter one is where I want to begin. And we'll start in verse six, James one, six says, but let him ask in faith, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He's talking about if you are lacking wisdom, he said, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. I want us to realize it is possible to ask in faith and not waver. It says no thing wavering. You can, it may take some practice, but you can build your faith and your expertise in faith to the point that you know how to maintain the flow of that faith, the application of that faith on that situation and not let it lift up. Nothing wavering, it says. And then it begins to discuss the dangers of wavering, why wavering is such a detrimental thing in the life of a believer. He says, he that wavers is like the wave of a sea driven with the wind and tossed. You know, the wind moves the water and it moves it whichever the way the wind is going, the water submits to it. The water is influenced by the speed of the wind, the velocity of the wind, the direction of the wind. And what this applies to our life is that you don't want the situation moving you. 
You don't want the, the bad report to move you this way. And then you get somebody else's opinion and it moves you this way. And then you Google WebMD and it tells you one thing and you're moving over here. And everything you hear moves you like the wave of the sea. There's no solidity. There's no stability. And he says, the person who wavers is like this. The person who wavers in their faith is constantly moving and never receiving. It says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. To receive of the Lord, we've got to stay in faith. We've got to maintain our faith. We've got to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. This is so important. And then it goes on in verse 8 to say, a double-minded man, a double-minded man. I believe God. Oh, but look at how it, how it appears. I believe God. Yeah, but look at how I feel. I believe God. That, yeah, but this is what they say. I believe God. Yeah, but everybody in my family has succumbed to this. That person is, is consistently moving between the two. And he said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The unstable person cannot receive anything. Unstable in all of his ways. That means not just in that one thing he's believing for, the unstable person, it affects their whole life. It affects everything that they're, they're believing for. I believe the Amplified uses the word, they are irresolute and undecided about everything in their life. That, that, uh, that instability begins to go into their relationships. It begins to go into their financial decisions. It begins to go into their, their performance on the job. Every aspect of that person's life becomes unstable because they don't have a foundation of faith. The, the word of God is a firm foundation. You can build your life on it. Jesus said, the person who is a hearer of my word and a doer of my words is like a person who builds their house on a solid rock. No matter what storm comes, no matter how the waves come, the wind comes, it will not take the house down. Why? Because it has a foundation of the word. And so we want to have a foundation of the word that makes us stable in our believing. So a person who wavers is called double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable. A wavering person is double-minded and a double-minded person is unstable. The word unstable means liable to fall or sway. That's the dictionary of the word unstable and from the Greek dictionary, liable to fall or to sway. The person who is double-minded is liable to fall. The person who is double-minded is liable to sway. And when we're standing against the enemy, when we're standing for a promise to come into our life, we don't want to fall and we don't want to sway. We want to learn how to maintain that consistency. Now, Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 6, and he says in verse 22 something interesting, and I'm going to read the King James first. It says, the light of the body is the eye. We're talking about double-minded. The light of the body is the eye. If 
therefore your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil. Now in the King James, it uses the word evil, but in other translations, it means uh, unstable, I believe is what the Amplified uses. It's unstable if you're, or unsound. Or this, so when we're talking about evil, we're not talking about saved and sinner. It says, if your eye be single focused, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unsound, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, if a person is trying to look at the word, but then they come over here and they look at the problem and they look at how their symptoms are, and they look at the feelings, and they look at maybe they're trying to believe God for a family member, but they keep looking at how that person is living and looking at all their posts on Facebook and saying, oh my goodness, look at what they're doing. They're filling their heart with unsoundness. It's hard to stand in faith if you're constantly feeding on what it looks like. And so Jesus is saying here in this verse in Matthew chapter 6, that you've got to maintain a focus of faith. Let me read the Amplified. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is sound, your entire body will be full of light. But if your eye is unsound, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the very light in you, your conscience is darkened, how dense is that darkness? So he said, if your eye is sound, if your eye is sound, it means you're looking at the right thing, you're focused on the right thing, you're seeing the right thing. But if your eye is going in between and looking at both, it's going to affect the both. You remember in James when it was talking about um, the tongue and it says out of the mouth of the righteous, we shouldn't have blessing and cursing. He was saying if you have salt water and you mix fresh water in, it, they contaminate each other. Salt water is and fresh water, you can't drink, even though it's just a little tiny thimble full of salt water in your drinking water, it's not good to drink anymore. Why? Because it's messed it all up. That little tiny bit messes it all up. And that little tiny bit of doubt that, you, that a person continually feeds on, that, that makes their un, unstable thinking, makes them... It's, I'm believing God, but I keep seeing this. I'm believing God, but I keep focusing on this. So Jesus is telling us we've got to be stable. And the way to become stable is to go back to your attention. You know, the apostle Peter, he's a good example of this because he saw Jesus coming to him on the water. And he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and put his foot on the water and he walked on the water. He walked on the water. We don't know how many steps he took on the water, but he walked until his eye became unsound. As long as his eye was sound, as long as his focus was on the word, the command, the instruction come, he had water walking ability. He had miracle action working to give him the ability to walk on the water. So his focus was involved 
in his ability to work the word. When he took his eye off of what Jesus had said, it said he looked at the wind and the waves. He began to give his attention to the circumstance, to give his attention to his previous experience with storms of this magnitude, to give his attention to how high the waves were crashing around him, to how hard the wind was blowing. Before that time, the wind and the waves had nothing to do with his ability. They did not hinder his ability at all. It didn't say he was struggling to walk on the water. He was walking on the water until he began to focus on the circumstance. His eye became unsound and he began incrementally to lose his water walking ability. It says he began to sink. He didn't sink in a moment. He began to sink because faith leaves by degree. By the degree to which you're giving your attention to the problem, that faith begins to wane and to wane. Just like Jesus explained in the parable of the sower that the word of God can be choked out by the cares of this world. When you begin to focus on the problem, it begins to choke out the faith and the strength that is in your spirit. And that's what we want to avoid. And the way to avoid it is keep your eye focused. Keep yourself focused on the word of God. Allow that focus to be um, an unbreakable focus in that moment. Praise God. When we develop that, that stability in our um, focus, then it makes it easier for that consistency of our faith to grow. When Romans chapter 4 speaks about Abraham, Romans chapter 4 verse 19 uh, it says, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now I know in the original language, it says he did not consider the deadness of his body to be, I think the Weiss translation puts it this way, to have anything to do with, it, that's not the exact wording, but he, he, he knew the situation. He knew his body was dead. He knew that he was past the age of childbearing, that he was as, past the age of producing children. He knew that, but he did not bring it into his focus and give it his attention. He did not let that be the food for thought that he fed upon. He knew it, but he didn't fix his attention on it. So that's what this word in Romans 4 means. He did not consider it. He didn't deny it. He just didn't focus on it. And there are things that are in your situation that they really don't stop the word from coming to pass or not. For instance, if you're believing for a family member's salvation, looking at their current activity looking at their refusal to walk in the ways of God, that's not, that has nothing to do with God's promise that he will save your children. Yeah, but they're living this, they're living in sin, they're doing this, they're doing that. That's the wind. Don't look at the wind. 
That's the waves. Don't look at the waves. That's subject to change. <laughs> I'm not going to consider that. Let me go over here and consider. Great shall be the peace of my children and my children shall be taught of the Lord. Let me go over here and consider what God says in his word about the salvation of my children. So we're talking about what I'm fixing my attention on, what I'm focused on from day to day. Now in Romans 4, 19, it says, being not weak in faith. He wasn't weak in faith. And because he wasn't weak in faith, it, the reason he wasn't weak in faith was because he had his attention on the right thing. He was focused on the promise instead of the circumstances that he was currently encountering. He considered not, and then it says in verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham, he considered not, he didn't focus on the situation and therefore he was not weak in faith. You could say he was strong in faith. He didn't stagger at the promise. Why? Because he was not feeding on something else that was taking his strength away. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded go hand in hand. Giving glory to God it includes thanking God, rejoicing in it, calling those things that be not as though they were, seeing the end from the beginning. And so that's what we've got to recognize is that I have a responsibility to keep my focus on the things of God. You know, our text from Matthew chapter six, in context, Jesus is teaching about being torn between two masters. And he's talking about uh, you can't serve money and serve God. He's talking about keeping our focus on serving God and not trying to serve the world system of finances. And in his teaching, he says something that you can apply in every application of faith, in every, every different thing you're believing for. He says this in Matthew chapter six, for instance, in verse 25, he says, take no thought. In verse 31, take no thought. In verse 34, take no thought. Three times Jesus said, there are thoughts you should not be taking. They might be presented to you. The situation might blare them right out in front of you, trying to get your attention with those thoughts, blatantly just, just broadcasting and advertising those thoughts in front of you. But you don't have to take every thought the enemy brings. You don't have to take any thoughts the enemy brings. You can choose the thoughts that you take and you can deny the entrance of the rest of those thoughts the way Philippians 4 tells us we should. Philippians 4 says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest and just of a good report, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, those are the thoughts you should be thinking of. So if it doesn't make that list, then it gets resisted. It gets refused. We cast down imaginations and we take every thought 
captive. And that's what Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter six, when he's telling us, keep yourself focused. He says in verse 31, he says in the specific way we take them. He says in Matthew 6, 31, therefore take no thought saying when you open your mouth and you give, give voice to that thought, you now own it. It becomes yours. You bring it into your possession. We should do that with God's thoughts. We should not do that with worry. We should not do that with trouble or problems, but we should take the thoughts of God by saying, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We should take the thoughts of God by saying, I shall not be moved. <laughs> I am like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. We should take the thoughts of God by saying, no evil shall befall me. But we should not take thoughts. For instance, Jesus said, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Those are worry thoughts, those questions that, that produce and, and breed worry and fear. He says, don't take those thoughts. You know, in Isaiah 55, God offers us his thoughts. He said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let them instead uh, return to the Lord and I will abundantly pardon. And then God says this in Isaiah 55 verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. You know, part of those words that I just read are not in the original text. The original text would, would read, for my thoughts, not your thoughts. My ways, not your ways. God wants us to take his thoughts. He offers us his thoughts, and we take them by saying. I love how Hebrews 13 in verse, verses 5 and 6, it says, he hath said, speaking of God, God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do to me. He hath said so that we may boldly say. He wants us to take his thoughts and that's why he put them in this book for us to take them. And when we take his thoughts, we receive his help and we keep ourselves focused and our lives become stable. Instead of being unstable, double-minded, we become single-focused, single-minded. I'm keeping my mind stayed on the Lord and I am stable in all my ways and I will receive from God. That's you as well. You will receive from God. Go back and listen to these messages again. Stay tuned. We've got one more installment in this teaching. We want you to have your faith built and we want to strengthen you in the word. So remember to stay tuned, come to buildfaith.net and, and connect to the resources there and build your faith and frame your world by the word of God. Examine yourself and see if you be in faith. The Bible instructs us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to make this faith examination. When we begin to walk by faith, there are some indicators that reveal whether our faith is accurately working or not. Because faith is a spiritual force, we need to identify when we are applying our faith accurately. 
the Bible gives us some specific things to look for and shows us some adjustments that we can make to be sure we are in faith. In this six-part teaching, Faith Adjustments, we discover the symptoms or indicators of faith and learn how to make the necessary adjustments so we can stay on track in our walk of faith. You'll learn how to identify faith when it is working, the two main symptoms that accompany faith, what is the energy supplied to our faith, and much more. This insightful six-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $20. In addition, we're offering Philip Steele's book, Refusing the Care, for a special price of $15. The Lord spoke to Pastor Steele about the dangers of worry, telling him worry will prop the door open to the enemy to come into your life and bring all sorts of destruction. Refusing the care will give you courage to resist every form of worry and anxiety. The six-part series, Faith Adjustments, and the companion book, Refusing the Care, are working together to help you operate your faith more effectively. Call the number on your screen now or go to buildfaith.net to order. Call or go online now. I want to express my gratitude to all of those who partner with this ministry. Thank you for being a vital part of what the Lord is doing in this ministry. At Faith Builders International, we are entering our 25th year. We've been broadcasting this program since 2010, over 12 years. During that time, we've received multiple testimonies of people who have been changed by the Word of God through this program. Our partners will receive the same reward that we receive from the part they played in helping us preach the gospel. King David established a precedent in 1 Samuel 30, verse 24, when he said, as his part is that goes down to battle, so shall his part be that tarried by the stuff. They shall part alike. A group of his soldiers had stopped the pursuit and not joined in the battle. But because they stayed with the supplies, the rest of the soldiers were able to ride faster and catch the enemy. David said they receive an equal share of the reward. And that's true about you. You receive the same reward. I want to pray for you. Lord, I ask you to minister to my partners out of the abundant overflow of your goodness and your blessing. Lord, for every time that they have sacrificed, that they have lovingly sowed into this ministry, let this be something, Father, that causes a memorial to come up before you and let the abundant supply of their harvest meet every need in the name of Jesus. We welcome you to join us too and become a partner of Faith Builders. Together, we will continue to build people's faith and frame their world by the Word of God. Faith Builders International is a family church with a vision to build people's faith. Jesus told His disciples they would be witnesses of Him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So we are building faith, city, state, nation, and world. Our congregation in DeSoto, Kansas meets at 8390 Peoria, and in Little Rock, Arkansas, we meet at 10500 West Markham Street. We have ministry for the children and youth, 
and special events focused on men's and women's ministry. We invite you to join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10 and 6. We look forward to meeting you. Visit buildfaith.net for more information.